So I was thinking about Billy's um, message to the children there about mothers and about uh, them about mothers being strong spiritually. I was thinking about my mom and and how she grows in the Lord and. Um, she reads the scriptures but one of the things she does when she comes and visits is she takes back home my theology books and I have different theology books missing that I see when I get back when I visit her and she takes the, the pages and the pages that she likes she dog ears bends down the little corner more of my she bends down more pages than uh, than not it, it would be better if she just dog eared the pages just that she did not find helpful. Um, here's here's my love for my mother. She can do it and get away with it. No one else, except for my wife, but certainly not my children, could get away with that. Galatians chapter five, verses twenty-two and twenty-three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we have just read these uh, character traits, which are uh, fruits of the Spirit, Father, I pray that you would make us very fruitful indeed because these fruits are really the character traits of our Lord Jesus Christ and it is our desire to become like Him because He loves us so much. And so help us and pour out your Spirit even as we uh, open this uh, passage of Scripture. Be our teacher, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. You have an outline on the back of your bulletin if you want to use that. Um, if you have that, if you have, if you have it open to the to the outline, that's fine. Uh, I am most concerned that you have your copy of the scriptures opened in your lap and that you follow along uh, using the scriptures. I've got a deep theological question, actually two questions to ask you this morning. The first question of great theological significance is where do apples come from? Well, they come from apple trees. Well, the second question is like it. Where do oranges come from? They come from oranges. Where does spiritual fruit come from? Spiritual fruit comes from the Holy Spirit. This is, I love the Reformed doctrine of sanctification. In fact, um, if you know me at all, you know that I love the doctrines of grace um, and the tulip. But I must say, my favorite doctrine 
is the Reformed Doctrine of Sanctification. Because what the Reformed Doctrine of Sanctification teaches me is that my spiritual growth does not depend on me. It does not begin with me. My spiritual growth is a result of the Holy Spirit's work in me. My growth in Christ happens because God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, has taken up residence in my soul. He lives in me and He is at work in me, making me more like Jesus. Spiritual fruit does not come naturally to us. Spiritual fruit is not produced naturally in us, in and of ourselves. Spiritual fruit is produced in us by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Why is this so important? As I've been saying the last three weeks... I've been emphasizing the power of the flesh as we were looking at uh, uh, verses um, 13 through 21. And the power of the flesh is stronger than even the willingness of a Christian. And so the flesh will prevent us from producing spiritual fruit. In fact, the flesh produces in us fruits of the flesh. The flesh is, is, is more powerful than even the willingness of the Christian. But the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, the third person of the Trinity, He is able to produce in us that which we cannot produce. Also, I want to look at it. Um, I want to look at this point of spiritual fruit cannot be produced in us from another uh, standpoint. Look at the last fruit of the spirit. The last fruit of the spirit, uh, verse twenty-three, is self-control. Well, everyone would agree that self-control is vital for a person to grow spiritually. And so we would need self-control to produce spiritual fruit. But spiritual fruit is a byproduct of the Spirit's work. So we won't have this self-control that we need to produce the spiritual fruit if the Holy Spirit was not already at work in us. In other words, the Holy Spirit and His work in you is the prerequisite for your growth in Christ. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, uh, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so this, this passage would seem to say, Okay, it's all on you. You've got to obey by um, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 12. Verse 13 picks up, but yet it's still a part of that same sentence. For it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to His good purpose. The, the working out of your salvation with fear and trembling is really God working in you giving you the power, giving you um, 
the ability to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So you are diligent in obeying God. It is always God working in you. He is the prerequisite for our obedience in Christ. What this means is if it is the Holy Spirit who produces spiritual fruit in you rather than you by your own willpower producing spiritual fruit. If it's God who's producing the spiritual fruit in you, then it means that the first and most important step in your growth in Christ is prayer. God, help me to produce this spiritual fruit. But even our prayer... Even in our prayer life, we need God's help. Remember Romans 8, 26 and 27, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So even in our prayer life, which is the first and most important step in our growth in Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to help us even as we begin to pray. To further prove this point, the last three weeks I've been quoting John 15 verse 5. Jesus says, Without me, you can do nothing. Without Him, you can produce not even the smallest, the weakest spiritual fruit. You can do nothing except dishonor God without the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to put this verse in its larger context. I've only quoted the last half of verse 5. Listen to the first half of John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, he's talking here in this context of bearing spiritual fruit. He is the source. He is the vine. We are simply His branches. We get the nourishment. We get the strength from Him. He produces the spiritual fruit in us. Let's add a little more depth to John chapter 15, verse 5. Listen to John chapter 15. Verses 1 through 8. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my 
Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then skip on down to verse 16 in John chapter 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. The only type of spiritual fruit that will last, the only type of spiritual fruit that is authentic, is fruit that is produced through being in the Lord Jesus Christ and His Spirit working in us. It is, is, it, is it not clear? God is the one who is producing spiritual fruit in your life. So I want to be very practical at this point. Because many put, um, many see their role in producing spiritual fruit as starting with themselves. Many start by producing spiritual fruit or attempting to produce spiritual fruit by their own efforts. Um, there's a bad theology that uh, is circulating out in the larger American church and actually worldwide. And this theology is that you make the decision to follow Christ. That um, God makes a vote for you, Satan makes a vote against you, but you're the one who makes that decision to follow Christ. Uh, And so preachers preach for this decision. You, You preach to get people to make this decision. Once they've made the decision, you give them in a manner of speaking, a go-to-heaven-free card that they can put in their wallet and carry around with them. And when they die and they appear before the the pearly gates, they can whip out their little Jesus card. Look, I made this decision to follow Jesus, and so let me into heaven. And there's so much emphasis on the human will, on this decision that is carried over into the area of sanctification. So you make this decision to grow spiritually. After all, you want to show God that you're sincere in your faith. You want to show God that your faith is real. And so you make this decision to be obedient to Him. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And so you put forward this effort. The problem is, the struggle is intense. Because those who put the primacy on the decision usually have an inadequate or deficient view of the power of the flesh. Um, the, the power of, of, a, of a, the human will is more powerful, they may think, than the flesh, which is the exact opposite of what I've been saying the last three weeks. And so, instead of growing, or, or, or rather... Um, when, when things don't work out uh, where they're growing as they think they ought, then what do they do? They put in more effort. They try to love God. Uh, they try harder to love God more. Or they try harder to be more disciplined. And when those things don't completely work out like they think they should, what they do is they aim at full surrender. God, I've got to give you everything in my life, every desire. I surrender myself to you completely and fully. And so that is the crowning piece, or that is their aim in sanctification, full surrender. 
Few rarely achieve this idea of full surrender. I've known people who have said that they have achieved it and they have usually achieved it in an intense and highly emotional moment. They live on the mountaintop. The mountaintop might be for a day, it might be for a week, it might be for a matter of months. The problem is the flesh is still at work. The problem is the flesh is more powerful than the human will. The problem is they may give themselves to God today, but tomorrow's coming. And they can't keep up that spiritual intensity. They can't keep up that mountaintop experience. And when they live in the mundane of life, where we live our life, or oftentimes the saints as you read the, the Psalms and as you read um, read the, the New Testament, um, oftentimes the saints are living in the valley. The Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 14 is through many sufferings and through many trials and persecutions that we enter into the kingdom of God. And so when things aren't working out, when that mountaintop, when you fall off the mountaintop, things can become very confusing, very discouraging, plus the temptation to climb back up that mountain. That mountaintop ends up being, for many Christians, a treadmill with a steep incline. And the harder you work, the more you think you ought to grow, and your progress is... um, is not really noticeable um, because the same sins keep popping back up. Now, people can and do grow. I'm not saying that people don't grow um, who have this theology. Uh, What I'm saying is God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. Um, And this is, I think, a crooked stick to say that by your will, by your self-discipline, that you can grow uh, and produce a spiritual fruit. And the reason why I call it a crooked stick is many Christians I know who have this theology that is based on your decision, first of all. Their motivation for the Christian life is actually... um, is a lot of guilt. I must do more. Others, and I think this is probably uh, where many Reformed Christians live who don't have a completely biblical and worked out uh, Reformed view of sanctification, is they've given up. I'm not making the progress. So why try? So what is... The implication here. If we can only produce spiritual fruit by God the Holy Spirit working in us, then we must start by resting in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the starting point for our sanctification. Starting point for our justification. Starting point for our sanctification. I read this quote earlier from uh, Richard Lovelace's Dynamics of Spiritual Life. I read it earlier in this series on Galatians. Listen to this. 
he says only a fraction of the present body of professing Christians are solidly appropriating the justifying work of Christ in their lives. Many have so light an apprehension of God's holiness and the extent of the, and guilt of their sin that consciously they see little need for justification. Although below the surface of their lives they are deeply guilt-ridden and insecure. Many others have a theoretical commitment to this doctrine, but in their day-to-day existence they rely on their sanctification for their justification. In other words, I feel like I'm close to God because I am being obedient. And they switch things up. Um, he says they draw their accept their assurance of acceptance from God, or with they draw their assurance of acceptance with God from their sincerity, their past experience of conversion, their recent religious performance, or the relative infrequency of their conscience willful disobedience. And he's saying they've gotten it backwards. And then he says few know few know enough to start each day with a thoroughgoing stand upon Luther's platform. You are accepted. Looking outward in faith and claiming the holy alien righteousness of Christ as the only ground for acceptance, relaxing in that quality of trust which will produce increasing sanctification as faith is active in love and gratitude. That's a mouthful. What is he saying? What he's saying here is we must start in the sanctification process by remembering that we are justified in Jesus. That all of our sins have been wiped away as we read in the assurance of of pardon. Our sins have been cast away as far as the, the east is from the west. That God loves us. That He has given us His righteousness. And because He loves us, we're forgiven. Because He loves us, we are accepted. Because He loves us, we can know that He will always be with us. And so that's the starting point. Instead of trying to do more, we go to God as our Father. In that relationship, God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Help me to be obedient. Produce in me by your Spirit uh, those fruits which you have promised to produce in me. Help me because I don't have the power in and of myself. And so the starting point is not in our own strength. It's in His love and in the power that He gives us by His Spirit. And so, sanctification at its foundation begins with this fellowship with God, this relationship with Him. And you know what happens? Look at this last... um, this last phrase of verse 23 after he lists the fruits of the spirit um, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness I'm sorry, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control he says against such things there is no law when you fellowship with God and your delight in him grows that's when your desires to sin weaken when, you, when your delight in Him grows, your faith in His power at work in you grows. When your delight in Him grows, 
your obedience begins to grow naturally like oranges on an orange tree. In other words, as I said last week, we live the Christian life at the heart level. When you fellowship with God, when you delight in Him, that is the path toward obeying Him and producing that spiritual fruit that He promises us uh, here in His Word. Next week... We will look at the mortification of sin, verse 24 through 26. Um, And then finally, my last comment that I've made many times over over the last uh, years that I've been here. Uh, That is, the spiritual fruit that God produces in us is not to make us um, more admirable. The spiritual fruit that He produces in us is to be picked and eaten. The love is to be picked and eaten by other people. Now some of these fruits are to be picked and eaten by yourself, but only for the purpose of you growing more spiritual fruit. John chapter 15, God prunes us to make us more fruitful. So the spiritual fruit that, that He produces in you is not for yourself. It has a higher end to be given away for by to be eaten by others, to be given away to others, or to help you grow in Christ. Let's pray together. Almighty God, as we uh, have looked at uh, Your Word and as. The application is that the foundation for our um, the spiritual fruit growing in our lives is your love for us, your justifying grace, uh, and the powerful sanctifying work of your Spirit in us. In other words, it is all about the relationship. Father, as we now uh, transition and begin to enter into that part of the service where we um, fellowship with you around the Lord's table, I pray that the fellowship that we experience with you, even in the next few moments, would... um, would be effective in us and that all of us, each person in this room, would um, bring forth a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of spiritual fruit as a result of our fellowship with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.